our LSU. Boom! All night long. Yes. Let's freaking go. His name is Dave. <laughs> My name is Carter the Power Brian, and when I started my journey into media, you were one of the first people I ever had on a radio show. So I'm so happy to have you on PHO for the first time. And Dave is also known as CFP Matrix. Go follow him on Twitter. Check him out. He does so many different things, but his passion is coaching searches and grading assistant coaches. So we get you on here, PHO. Day, uh, just give us a little background behind the matrix analytical movement that you and Adam have put together. Well, it, it uh, years ago, I think the first time you and I met, um, SEC Media Days, right in person. Yes, a, a gosh awful number of years ago. Um, right. And back then, I was I was still the same numbers nerd, but just trying to find my way in college football. Um, you know, I'd found my way in big banking. I'd found my way in healthcare. Um, I found my way in a lot of stuff through numbers uh, and college football as a fan. It intrigued me about, OK, where do numbers fit in college football? And I saw that everybody was gravitating towards trying to figure out how to use the numbers on the field. And I went the other way. And that's usually the things I like to do is I'm always when everybody's looking left, I'm looking right. And the data was no different. And over time, uh, it evolved into I wanted to be involved in the analytics of staffing. And so starting, we, we reverse engineered the numbers and Adam and myself, our team of data engineers, uh, we first started with every single coach, his name, his title since 2010. So our database goes back to every DB coach, every wide receiver coach, you name it. If the guys weren't a headset in FBS and FCS, we have a grade on them for their individual seasons and for their careers. Um, and so we jumped into the uh, the staffing side of it. And that's what basically we build. We build staffs. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize is uh, our most important job for a head coach, for a chief of staff, for an athletic director is actually not helping find the guy. It's avoiding the wrong guy. It's avoiding the price tag when you hire somebody and you fall behind because you hired somebody who isn't very good, who isn't good enough for the SEC, who is overpaid, and now you got to cash that guy out and you got to start all over. And so a lot of our value, and this is the hardest part of our job, as you could imagine it, Carter. Could you imagine talking to the head coach? You get a, you get a text from Brian Kelly. It says, Carter, here's my five guys. I like these guys. I like all of them. You tell me what you like about all of them and what you don't like about them. And you start with, here's what I don't like about the guys that you like, right? And so here are the red flags. Because it's it's easy to sign the, four, sign the four and five star guys, right, Carter? Yeah, yeah, right? I mean, exactly. Right? It, it, the difficulty is, is finding the four star with problems. Nobody wants to talk about the problems. The three and a half star with downside. The three star with downside. Everybody loves the upside, loves talking about the upside, but we got to frame it. You know, what's our field goal posts? Yeah, he may have five star potential, but he's got two star problems, you know? And so when we're working with coaching staffs, 
Um, that's really what we're trying to do is we're trying to minimize risk for our clients. We're trying to maximize opportunity, but we're always looking at that downside. What is the downside of this guy relative uh, to his career? Uh, and in this case, what we're talking about is SEC football. Yeah. So for you, mm -hmm. when I say the word Blake Baker, what jumps out to you? Okay. Okay. Now, for everybody listening, I approach things real differently. I don't look at them the same as everybody else, okay? Um, this is Here's a cool number about Blake Baker when we look at our grading for him. In our system, he's been in the system as a defensive coordinator for eight years. And in those eight years, seven of them, seven of the eight years, he improves year over year. So 2023, better scoring efficiency than 2022. 2022, better than 2021. We call that progression. It is a very important part of the equation when we're grading coaches because we want to see two things. How quickly do they push it forward? How consistently do they improve their unit? And then once they get there, can they keep it there and not fall off? Okay, so when we're talking Blake Baker, seven out of eight years, he improves. So you had LSU speaking, had the 82nd ranked scoring efficiency defense in our numbers this year. Okay. So do we expect Blake Baker to push that ahead? Yes. Boom. And then do it again and then do it again. Now you may not get the immediate impact results of an elite coordinator going from zero to 60 in year one. Okay. Don't get me wrong. LSU is a top five recruiter this century. They have the second best NFL talent profile of the last 20 years. They can do it, but having those kind of expectations, having that fast of a progression is really tough. So with Blake Baker, though, what I love is not only the consistent progression, but lack of regression. He builds on his years. So it may take a couple of years, but do I expect Blake Baker to get LSU in the top 10 of defense with top 10 recruiting? Yes, I do, because he's proven to step it up as he moves along. This is a question that I get a lot, and I know you're not as much on the film side of things. You're more on the analytics side of things. Right. But how much does a position coach, so let's say Corey Raymond, who is reportedly hired by mm -hmm. LSU as a defensive back coach, how much is a unit's success based on the position coach, or is it just mostly based on the defensive coordinator? Do you, you understand what I'm saying? No, I, I do. I do. Where, you know, the numbers, if you have a great defensive coordinator and poor support staff, that defensive coordinator might overcome all of it, still post great numbers in spite of, let's say, poor coaching at linebacker and DB. Okay. okay. Um, where it's much more difficult for a DB to look good if the DC is poor to begin with. Okay. Um, and so those are things that in our system, now we've tried to work all of that out over the last 14 years, but it's not a perfect system. Look, if I could nail every coach every single time correctly, I wouldn't be talking to you, Carter. I'd be <laughs> making way too much money being right for everybody. Okay. So we go with the 80, 20 rule. We're hope we're hoping that 80% of the time that uh, or based on our numbers, about 80% of the time we're going to be right. We're going to miss on about 20% of them. And so, but I hear what you're saying is, you know, how how accurate is it going to be the farther you move away from that coordinator position? Uh, I will say you'd probably be really surprised 
uh, when you look at individual units getting graded out. You know, a lot of LSU fans, let's say they go, you know, you'd say, hey, grade the defense. Well, how do I grade the whole defense? You know, if I just look at the entire defensive performance, I might say everybody gets, you know, is, is number 82 in the country. Right. But what if you had really, really good run stopping? You had a great defensive line and the secondary was really poor at explosive pass plays and, and giving up third downs and so forth. So I agree with you. A lot of it is driven through the quality of the coordinators. Okay. But the way this is set up, um, there is a lot of differentiation unit by unit uh, for everybody to get the same grade. Everybody has to perform all at a really at the same really high level or all at the same really low level. So Corey Raymond, yep. his secondaries over the past couple of seasons, last two at Florida and the two seasons before LSU, they, they've gone down. You look at your right. regressive, right? He's regressed. Yes. So I look at yard per pass attempt. I look at yeah. total. I try and look at all of it. I, and I don't use EPA as, as much, but those are two stats I, I mostly look at with a, a heavy emphasis on yard per pass attempt. And, mm-hmm. and they've not been good. Is that a red flag for someone like you? Yes, it is. The regression is a, is a red flag. You know, three, four years, when, when Florida hired him, it looked like a rock star hire on paper, right? We just We just had a recent bad year and, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't really that big of a deal. But now that we've regressed three years in a row, now part of it goes back to, well, how much of that ties into the defensive coordinator where he's been, right? And right. so this is why what we do isn't a, isn't an end all, okay? When you're looking at right. the hiring process, we're a piece of the puzzle. You know, when you go to hire a defensive coordinator, it's a thousand piece puzzle. We're like 13 of those pieces, right? And okay. some of it involves interpretation. How, you know, what, what kind of defensive coordinator was he with, you know, in, inside of those numbers, but still overall for the career uh, right now with Corey Raymond, um, you have really wide goalposts, right? You have on the low end, his floor is medium, medium, low, right? He has, he has the potential of not having a good year on the flip side, his ceiling, the other side of the goalpost way up. He's popped some big boy years. Right. right. So, Absolutely. so, so with Corey Raymond, I'm, I'm comfortable calling him a three and a half star DB coach with a lot of potential. Right mm-hmm. now, the potential doesn't have to be positive folks. Potential can also be negative. So we got a lot of positive potential on one side. We got a lot of negative potential on the other, but going back to your point with DC, do we have a stable progressive defensive coordinator right now in Blake? Yes, we do. Right. So I'm looking at this going, okay, Corey comes in. Number one, I need to see my DBs improving. You know, those yards per pass that you guys gave up last year. I know Carter wants to see that number drop down. I don't care how good or bad the defense is that yards per pass better drop or Carter's not going to be happy with the DB coach. (laughs) Okay. So, um, but those are red flags that we're looking at. So if we're looking at the downside of Corey, Right. The downside is the regressive years. Maybe did he lose something? Did he lose motivation? Right. Did he lose uh, an edge mentally? Uh, Maybe LSU can bring that back. Um, But on the on the flip side, we know he can pop a big year. Right. So would you say Blake Baker's probably the best defensive coordinator he's been with since Aranda? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Dave Aranda, I remember tweeting out the day Aranda was hired. I remember tweeting out, I expect Aranda to leave with an, with, with a title ring. I thought Aranda was that good yeah, coming in. Um, and, and we'd been tracking Dave Aranda for his entire career. And that guy was just a rock star all the way. And so, yeah, there, there hasn't been as good of a defensive coordinator for Corey since the Aranda years. Yeah, so we get to Bo Davis. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on the Texas superstar hire coming back home to LSU? Well, I love anytime you can steal something from that Texas staff. Coming into this season, uh, two through 11, taking out the head coach, okay, because Sarkeesian just does not have a high grade as a head coach for his career in our system. Uh, two mm-hmm. through 11, probably the best staff in college football. Easily the best one, two, three coordinator punch in college football. Um, so being able to steal from that staff, just about everybody on that staff is really good. Um, so on the defensive side, part of bringing in Bo Davis is what did you replace? And and this is a little bit of rewind for people. I remember being on your show last year, um, saying LSU had the worst defensive coach profile in the SEC walking into the season. Uh, the, every, every single guy that you had DC linebacker, D-line, DB, safety, everything on the defensive side of the ball, every single position was below average in the FBS. All 133 teams, every single guy was below average of the top 133. So bringing in a guy like Davis, it's a massive improvement over what you had last year. And last year at the defensive line really wasn't fair for the defensive line guys because it was so discombobulated. You lost your number one guy to the NFL, right? You bring in Jimmy. Jimmy has, you know, Jimmy has his 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 issues that pop up, and so the D line was really, it, it was a struggle the whole year. So um, no pointing fingers at the players, the DC, the 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 unit coach there. Really, um, that one was. I think you'd agree that was pretty much a mess going in. But to bring right. in Davis, and I'm a big proponent of coach from the inside out, recruit from the outside in. Look, I, I don't mind if Corey Fuller is a or Corey Corey Raymond, sorry, is is a three and a half star DB coach. Can he also recruit? Right? Can those outside guys recruit? The inside guys, I want those to be my best coaches, my best developers. Uh, and Bo Davis, over his career, has really proven that out for y'all. Right. Um, how familiar are we, you with uh, Kevin Peoples, the uh, the in coach uh, coming over from Missouri? He's coached at Arkansas, Tulane, and a few other places. Um, you know something. For, so for his, his career, he's he's just under a four star. Uh, oh, he's like okay, a three. Wow. Yeah, he, he's he's solid. He's he's three six and a half, three seven. Um, what I like about it though, okay, is I'm also a big believer in coaching continuity. Guys that work together. So. Um, on his own, I think he's stronger with Baker than on his own. So okay. this is one of those some of the parts things, right? I don't know exactly how it's going to work out, but there's something inside of me that says, look, having that continuity between Baker and Peoples coming over from Missouri, there's something more valuable than having Baker as your DC and Peoples as a D-line coach at you know, Penn State. You know, bringing those guys together kind of as a package is kind of like recruiting as a package. I think there's an emotional lift that comes with that that I really can't quantify. And for you, um, it's it's interesting when one of these young hotshot coaches come. So 
reportedly Jake Olson is someone that that knows Blake Baker, and he might be an on-staff coaching uh, assistant, potentially as a safeties coach or, or something along those lines. And mm-hmm. I've listened to you before, and, and you said that it's hard to really get a grasp on like a younger coach who doesn't really have much of a profile. Yeah, well, it's 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 just like anybody who's never done the position before, right? right. Um, I think we were t- we were talking off air. We're talking about is, is Joe Sloan going to be your offensive coordinator, right? I mean, he was our number yeah. one graded quarterback coach last year, but has he ever called plays before? At Louisiana Tech, yeah, yeah, Louisiana Tech, he has. So so we got the Louisiana Tech grade, but and then you go over to some other guys that, uh, especially young ones that that don't have any experience at that level, we can't even give them a grade. I'm not even going to guess what it's going to be. And in our system, unless you have four years out of position, you don't even get a full grade. We don't have any one-hit wonders here. So when you're dealing with younger guys, a lot of that goes back to how good has the head coach been at staffing. And Coach Kelly, um, it's, it's an interesting paradigm for him. Usually the first couple of years, he's really slow at staffing. And then the staffing progresses. He's never a rock star. You know, when he was at Notre Dame, it never really got going until year three, four. Um, I I think on the defensive side, there was a lot of errors that he had made, and he's trying to correct them right away, which is a great sign, not trying to run it back again. Um, So I've also seen that from a staffing standpoint, he's very, very good. And so I would err on a new guy coming in with no experience, just given the fact that I know – Coach Kelly has a good history as a staffer in our system. Dave Bar two college football matrix joins us. Matrix analytical. Dave and I have been friends for well over a decade now since I was a student. So go all the way back. Uh, <laughs> you know, for for me, Dave, recruiting seems to be for position coaches the more important aspect of their job than actually coaching. Would you, I, I'm, would you agree with that? Um, right now, I'm not sure, though, because okay. we got free agent now with free agency. Um, do you have to recruit more or you just buy what you need? What's more important, being able to recruit the guy or have the money to sign the guy? OK, so but what that means, though, it means that talent evaluation becomes more important than recruiting. Right now, it's like, okay, do I need Carter to recruit? No, I need Carter to evaluate the talent, and I'll let the bag go get the guy he says is the best. So maybe what we're going to see as this goes forward is, yeah, you need your outside guys, your running back, your wide receiver, your DB guys. You need them to be very good at something. It used to be recruiting. It used to be getting guys to sign. It used to get right. be getting mom and dad happy and getting them to go, oh, I want my kid to go with Coach Carter. Now it is, Coach Carter, do you know how you evaluate guys? Can you find the guys that we need to pay to get here to elevate the program versus recruit them? We'll let the money do the recruiting. You got to evaluate. That is going to be the next step in a unit coach is being able to evaluate fit and ability for the program so if joe sloan now just for cliff notes because it is in the background um mm-hmm. mike dimbrock you loved yep all right so just getting that out there um to not spend any time because that is in the past 
Mike Dimbrock was really high for Dave Bartu even before this past season. And I agree. Okay. I, I was really high on Mike Dimbrock from the get go. Hated Madhouse. Now, I go to you here with Joe Sloan. We get a limited sample size at Louisiana Tech. Yep. Would it concern you, even though we do have this one game sample of him calling plays versus Wisconsin? Does it concern you that he would be the full time potential play caller going into next season? First of all, I'm going to punt you for counting bowl game stats, dude. Right in the mouth. Bowl games don't count, okay? And literally, we don't even we don't even keep track of them. We throw them out. They don't they don't mean jack squat. All right. right. Um, so all you got is Louisiana Tech. But you, you would you would also mention though taking a look at Tommy Reese. Eh, three and a half star guy, middle of the road offensive coordinator in the SEC. You know, do you take a risk on Sloan and some coaching continuity, or do you bring in a guy on his third stop in five years and hasn't produced a top ten offense yet? A lot of questions. A lot of questions there. So uh, with Sloan, I, I don't have his I don't have his career as a play caller right in front of me, so I don't know it off the top of my head. Uh, but either way, you have significant risk in both guys. Neither one is elite. Neither one has proven to be elite. So it really is going to be up to Coach Kelly about in terms of what is the best gamble for his instincts to promote one of those two guys, if, in fact, those are the two guys. Yeah, and obviously, if it is Sloan, they would obviously make him the co-OC with Cortez Hankton. But oh. I would think Sloan would still be mostly the play caller, the guy in the booth actually calling the shots. Right. Um, as far as Cortez Hankton is concerned, I, I would guess Cortez Hankton's grade is is, is pretty high as a, as a receivers coach. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that that wasn't one you you popped that one on me late, and I was like, oh, I didn't oh, have time that. to pull that pull that up, pull that up. Um, but uh, yeah, you know the the offensive side of it. I think the thing we got to worry about is what's our what's our field goal posts right uh, in terms right. of potential. What's the low end of the OC? What's the high end of the OC? And, and we know, like with Reese, we know the high end is maybe popping a top 15, top 20 uh, offensive offensive kind of year. Low end is, is top 40, top 50. So, you know, it's not elite, but not bad. Um, so to me, if, if you're not going to go with a guy like him, then you're going to go with a guy that you expect that has the potential to pop the elite season, right? You know, because if you don't want the consistency, then you're looking for lightning in a bottle, and so will Sloan be able to do that? You know, as far as, as Hankton goes, I don't have that information, okay. you know, as a wide receiver right in front of me. And maybe once everything gets settled, we'll have to circle back and, and see what the whole staff looks like relative to the SEC when it's all done. Brian Kelly, overall grade as a head coach is, I, I'm, I'm going to guess he's four-star head coach. Yeah, four, four, four and a half. I think he was coming into this season. I think we had him graded number 17 in the country as a field coach, not yes. counting staffing, not counting recruiting, just as a field coach results on the field relative to the talent he had versus the talent he faced. Uh, I know he was top 20, might've been 16, 17, right in there. I do know that when you guys hired him, that was the best available head coach that year. Um, so we didn't have an issue with that. And I think there's still, he's still trying to navigate his way through staffing and recruiting down there. Uh, but you know, I, I know you haven't been in the playoffs yet. You're about to be where you should be. There's a top five recruiter this century. Um, you know, I, I think this year going forward now with the 12 team format, it's playoffs or bust baby playoffs or bust. Yeah. So for you, 
you uh, you love college football more than anyone, right? Uh, <laughs> no, no, I don't. Wow. No, I don't, dude. I live it and breathe it every day. I have had coaches text me at every day of every hour you can think of. I enjoy my college football. But let me tell you something. It is college football overload on my end year round. Okay. So do you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let you take your analytical side off. All right. You okay. talk to the coaches. You talk to the administrators. I've gotten to know you, especially at SC Media Days where, where we hung out for a few hours. How do you feel about college football right now? Let it loose. Give uh, it to me, Dave. Um, gosh, you know, the most mundane answer, I don't care. You know, if it could, because here's the thing is everything's changing so much so often so quickly that if I start caring about one thing, it's going to change in a couple of years. And then I'm going to care about that. And then it's going to change again. And then pretty soon I'm going to get tired of caring about something I shouldn't care about. And I'm going to be right back to where I am today with, I don't know. Right. Do I want to see players get paid in a gazillion dollar industry? Sure. Do I want it out of control like this? No. You know, um, what's the answer? I'm not sure what it's going to be, but I think it's going to sort itself out. It has to. This isn't sustainable. It's not good for the industry. It's not good for the fans. It's not good for the players. It's not good for the coaches. It's really not good for anything overall. Wait till the NFL starts bitching about lack of coachable talent coming up from college because of this system. I think when you, you, you want serious change is when the NFL flexes and goes, we need better players because I'm tired of Carter drafting the Carters who have been to three different schools making too much money. And he comes in here with a surly ass attitude and he isn't coached up at all. So I, I think that's going to be one of the next big things nobody expects is GMs in the NFL are going to start complaining. It might be years from now. They're going to complain about the quality of talent coming out of college football because it will be lacking. What's been one of the, one of the biggest complaints a coach has, has told you? They're just tired. They're just tired. They're tired of recruiting. See, they used to be able to recruit Carter to LSU, and and ninety percent of they had a ninety percent chance you were going to stay there, and you're going to be happy at LSU. And they didn't have to recruit you again. You're happy. You're there. Now they got to re-recruit you every year because you're going, man. I need more money. I need more money. And so they're tired of re-recruiting the same guy every single year over and over and over and over. I said this on a show two weeks ago in Tuscaloosa. I was trying to tell them what was coming. I said, look, you're going to see a lot of older guys retire because they're tired. This is mentally breaking them. And we've seen it all over the country. And, and obviously with Saban and Steele retiring last year, I think that's one of the things that you're seeing where it's wearing down on guys that have made enough money, they're giving up on the system. We're losing good coaches because mentally it's just too hard to do this 24-7, 365. Kalen DeBoer. Yep. I, 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 I think he's special. I do. Best field coach in college football. And people have told me that I've been overrating this guy for forever and look, I hope I hope I'm wrong. I don't. Oh yeah, as an LSU fan, you hope you're wrong, baby. I, I, hope, I hope I am so wrong. But yeah. I can't tell you how many times I sat down and watched Washington and said, "What the hell is this? What is yeah. the, the play calling? The stream? I mean, it is in freaking sane watching what he's done 
at all levels. So, obviously, we've seen some of the best players in Alabama hit the portal. Isaiah yep. Bond, Texas, Caleb Downs. We'll see what he's going to do. Again, it's not about recruiting. It's about the money. Right? Should should LSU fans be concerned about DeBoer at Alabama? No more than what they were concerned about Alabama last year. And I'm not. I am not saying he's as good as Nick. Stop it, you a-holes that are trying to say that. Okay? <laughs> but he has upgraded nearly every, every position he's brought in except Lindquist. Okay? He has upgraded across the board. They have a better quarterback coach. They have an offensive coordinator that is miles better than their old one. they got a better tight end coach. They have a way better offensive line coach. They have the same defensive line coach who was their highest graded guy last year. They have a D.C. They may have the best OCDC combination in the SEC right now. Okay? So you lost Nick and the rest of the staff outside of Linquist got better. So the big question is how many of these guys can they keep? Alabama I know Nick's not there. He was our number one field guy, and he is impossible to replace. But Alabama is going to be an absolute pain in the ass to deal with going forward. There might be a drop-off in recruiting. There might be a drop-off in some other things. But being prepared for this team on Saturday, the difficulty, I don't think that part of it changes much at all. Yeah, like when I really started to sit down and watch Washington, I I, uh, like – I think Dan Lanning's a big time coach. I, I like Dan a lot. Mm-hmm. I was just shocked at what DeBoer was doing to him and just play calling wise, uh, just everything, physicality. I just loved watching them and I hate the fact that he went to Alabama, but we'll see what happens. Um, you ever the overall thought on the SEC moving forward? Is it, it, do you think Kirby has separated himself from the pack or do you think Lane or anyone else? What, what, what has really stood out to you from, from, you know, let's see here. SEC off the top of my head. Well, the first thing that's always on my mind is, are you going to go to nine conference games? Okay. okay. If you if you if you go to nine conference games, you're hurting yourself. You're going to have less playoff spots, and there's going to be a lot of fans that never see 500 again. You're going to hate it, folks. I'm not talking to LSU fan, but I'm talking to South Carolina fan. I'm talking to Arkansas fan. I'm talking to no, Vanderbilt isn't going to win any games either way. So, you know, but I'm talking to a lot of these fans out there that are screaming for nine games. Man, you're going to love six and six. You're going to love it when you hit six and six. And I don't like it from the standpoint is the SEC has enough talent. Stay at eight games. Make everybody come down to you. Leaders lead. They don't chase. All right. Get into the playoffs. I'll promise you right now in the next 10 years, we're going to have at least one final four that is all SEC. You stay at eight. We're going to have a final four. That is all SEC. This is where you and I have always had the biggest disagreement. Mm. I, I, I didn't want to get into it today. I, could, I, could you mind? That's fine. Well, no, that's, that's fine. We'll get into it later because you asked me. You didn't ask if we were going to discuss this. You just asked my opinion about the SEC. Um, you know, Kurt, Kirby wise, um, staffing is good. Staffing is not elite at Georgia. So I don't think that really separates them out the way. Alabama recruited plus Alabama's coaching. I think what separated Nick 10 years ago was the coaching more so than the recruiting, even though the recruiting has come back a little bit. Um, I think some of the big surprises uh, to me going forward, uh, at least in the SEC so far, is uh, where Drinkwitz has taken the recruiting at Missouri. Uh, I think that's that. I think he's pushed that to another another level. I think where South Carolina has fallen down to bottom two, bottom three recruiter in the SEC, 
I think that's kind of been a surprise there. Um, everything else is pretty much status quo. Uh, A&M upgraded their their staff, especially their offensive side, significantly. So I think they're going to be more competitive. Uh, and of the two guys coming in, I think Texas is more ready than Great. Oklahoma. Uh, I'm concerned with Oklahoma's offense because it's still going to run fast, but it is built to throw and not run. And I think in the SEC, if you don't have a running game, you're a dead man walking. And so I, I think of the two, Texas is going to be more prepared to play SEC football than Oklahoma. Uh, Bobby Petrino. Solid. Four-star offensive coordinator. I said he'd post a top 25 offense in AM last year, which he did. It was number 23. Um, so I think he's motivated to be a head coach again. So I think he's going to play nice. I think he's going to play good football um, and, and toe the line. But again, it's Arkansas. Your bottom three recruiter in the SEC. You know what bottom three recruiters do in, in normal conference play? They lose, right? Mm -hmm. Indiana, Illinois, you know, they lose football games. Um, you know, you, you go across the board and, and teams that recruit in the bottom half perform in the bottom half. So is he a good offensive coordinator? Yeah. But now that you don't have divisions and if you go to nine games, don't care who you hire there, uh, it's going to be really tough to be above 500. At CFB Matrix is where you can follow him, the Matrix Analytical. Um, tell a little bit. I say tell a little bit. I screwed that up. Uh, for those that want to follow you, what 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 are they going to look forward to? What what, what you got? Going oh, on? just be. Oh, I like to. I like hidden messages in Twitter. I like to be a smartass. I like to troll people. Um, I, I like oh. to think. You know, you follow me for um, thinking a different direction, right? putting things out there when everybody is thinking about this, I'll think about that. I try to find things that are hidden meaning and hidden the numbers that people aren't seeing uh, to try to predict what's going to happen going forward. Not always right. Certainly not always right. Uh, but I try to enjoy with it. And anybody that interacts with me on Twitter, whether it be DM or publicly, I try to get back to all of you. Uh, Ole Miss goes to the college football playoffs next year or in the next two years. True. Or yeah, true. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They'll hit 10 and two. They got a good schedule for it. They got a good staff for it. Uh, they got a top 20 staff. They got top 20 recruiting. Uh, they, ha they have a good schedule coming up for them. You got to be 10 and 2 to get in. I, I think they get there once in the next uh, in the next two years. And Lane has really, really turned the corner since FAU, um, starting back his first year at FAU. So I, I believe that they have a shot at getting it done given the schedule this year. LSU, playoff in the next two seasons. Yes, I just I already told you that you have to. Yeah. You're a top five yeah. recruiter. You have to get ten and two in the next two, two, one of the next two years. Period. Otherwise, I, I got nothing for you, right? I mean, that's why you recruit in the top five is to get in the playoffs. If you don't get there, you know. But let's take a look at the staff once it's complete, and I'll yeah. walk through every single game as I see it for you. Okay, buddy. Right. We'll do it again. All right, Dave. We'll talk to you soon, man. I appreciate you. Take it easy, brother. Thank you. See what CFP Matrix is where you can follow him. Uh, I've known Dave since I've been doing college football media, and uh, that's why I followed him on Twitter many years ago, and we became really close when I was a student at LSU. So that was 2007, 2008, and I got my own radio show on campus, and he uh, joined the show, and um, 
yeah, I, I try my best to think differently, think outside the box, be objective about as much analysis as I possibly can. Um, and I uh, really, really enjoyed him. And I hope you guys enjoyed him. I wish uh, I could show you our Twitter uh, DMs over the years. Lots of disagreements. And our biggest disagreement is the eight-game versus a nine-game conference schedule thing. I believe the SEC should go to nine. But I do agree that with an eight-game conference schedule, it would benefit the Southeastern Conference more than if they go to nine. Okay? But I think a nine-game conference schedule is better for you. The college football fan, it's better for you. It's better games. I think the SEC is going to further separate themselves from everyone else outside of the Big Ten, of course. And I think a nine-game conference schedule would do uh, wonders for the conference. But it's not good for the bottom half. I think I'd agree with that. Now, you've heard his grades. He gave you honest evaluations of every single hire that LSU has made up to this point. Okay? I'm going to be clear. He has zero ties. With LSU, okay? So that's about as objective as you're going to get as someone whose job it is to grade the assistant coaches. Now, the one thing we did not discuss, because it's something I could tell you, I wanted to use all the 30-plus minutes of time I had with him to mostly talk about the meat, but I do want to include one thing about behind the scenes when it comes to coaching, staffs, and all of that. It takes a lot of time to hire, all right? I know that that sounds counterintuitive because hires happen really quickly, okay? But hires are exhausting. It feels like, you know, over the past couple of weeks, we still don't have the official, official announcement of Corey Raymond at LSU. So it feels like an eternity, right? It's It's been an eternity, to, to get staff hires done. So even though it's only been a couple of weeks, it, it feels like forever. Okay? It feels like forever. Now, here's what we're going to do. Obviously, this is our Wednesday live stream. We only go for about an hour. So I'm going to open up the floor for you. If you got any questions, Vimo Cash App, I'll go straight to it. Still looking for that first Super Chatter tonight. I thought we... Uh, would get some super questions in for Dave Bartu. First $20 super chatter. We are giving out another one of these Patrick Peterson cards. Um, really excited about this one. First $20 super chat will go uh, to, I actually found another one of these. I gave this one out a few weeks ago. So there you go. Um, there you go. William, I appreciate you. Jay Jarrell says college football, uh, Dave Bartu, one of college football's best guests. Well, he's dedicated his whole life to it, as you could tell. Uh, the thing that worries me is the high grades he gives the Alabama staff. Well, that's why, you know, I did a video a few weeks ago on uh, Kalen DeBoer. Uh, I, I think he's special. I, I really, really, really do. And I understand you guys are going to accuse, accuse me of being, uh, you know, just uh, lo showing so much love to the Alabama Crimson Tide. I don't want him to be. I want him to be a disaster. I want him to be an outcast. But I'm telling you right now, not only that he got hired, but also he was able to bring his offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, on over. The focus, um, the the focus I want uh, I want on the rest of this live stream to be uh, on LSU. Okay, 
let me start with the Corey Raymond discussion because that has obviously created the most division, not only amongst you chatters, but just amongst everyone in college football. Now, it is Dave Bartu's job to do this profession, okay? I wanted you – I didn't know his answer to the Corey Raymond question um, prior to him coming on, okay? He's a very busy guy. Say, hey, can you hop on tomorrow? He said yes. Okay. I will never lead you astray, okay? I don't have any secret agendas. I, I, I don't. I really, really, really don't. But yesterday, the amount of angry comments and messages, DMs, even got an email about what I had to say about Corey Raymond is, um, is, is, is just what the data tells me, okay? It's just part of it. All right. So I asked Dave Bartu the question that everyone wants to know. Why did things get go so sour over the past four seasons? And is that something? And he said unequivocally, yes, it is something. Okay. And the next thing that I would bring up is he also had the same opinion of me that this is the best defensive coordinator he's worked with in years. So I am still positive about the Corey Raymond hire, but it is interesting that the the track record, the recent track record isn't good. Okay. That's part of it. All right. It, it, it just is. So that's, that's what I want to get across. I want every LSU player, coach or whoever. And I've already talked about it at the beginning, the very beginning of yesterday's show, how excited I was that the glory days of LSU is coming back. But something else that I was excited about was Bo Pelini coming back. Okay? Every single one of us was excited when Bo Pelini, who won a national championship at LSU as a defensive coordinator, came back. We were excited. We were. Now, that's not me saying Corey's going to be Bo Pelini, but it's, it's, it's part of it. Right. We there should have been more red flags about Bo Pelini coming over from a head coaching job where his brother was on staff and he was living an unpressurized life at Youngstown State to then come over to the pressure cooker, which is being an LSU defensive coordinator. Okay. You know, Corey Raymond, obviously a different situation, but I, I'm using that comparison to show you how excited I was when Corey Raymond came back. Okay. So I, I, I will also tell you this, as Fantastic points out. Corey Raymond is, without reasonable doubt, an upgrade over Robert Steeples and Kerry Cooks. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Okay? Samuel, I appreciate the super chat. Okay? Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Maddie, welcome to the channel. She says, "Now, nah, not everyone was excited about Bo. I thought he was well past his DC prime. I'm fine with Raymond. Yeah, you know, I have my red flags about Bo Pelini as well, but the fan in me was excited that a man who won a national championship was coming back. Anybody that has coached or played at LSU, if they get back with the program, I'm just excited as a fan. Maybe not so much as an analyst, but as a fan, I get excited. Okay, I got very excited. I collect his cards. I got excited when Nicholas Brissett 
came back to LSU. He's not an all-time great, but he, when he was back on staff, I thought that was so cool. Baton Rouge kid, back at LSU, um, coaching with the Tigers. Really cool stuff. All right? Appreciate you, Samuel. Thank you so much. Jacobian, what's good? I can't wait to see you on the defensive line. I know uh, this is Jacobian's dad commenting through his account. Uh, William, thank you so much. And William is the winner of the Patrick Peterson card. Congrats, man. William, I actually think I have another Chad Jones card somewhere. So if I find a Chad Jones card, I will send you that one because I know it's your all-time favorite tiger but if um if i can't find the chad jones card i will send you this patrick peterson card okay um so there you go uh but yeah uh overall Corey is an upgrade and i think he's going to do fine at lsu now next thing he obviously had a lot to say about bo davis kevin peoples and you know, he couldn't say a whole lot about Olsen, who potentially will be on the staff as well. It was interesting hearing him weigh the pros and cons of if Brian Kelly wanted to go with Tommy Reese over Joe Sloan. Um, that's where I probably disagreed with him the most, okay? I understand the concerns about Joe Sloan's lack of experience. I also agree with him that Mike Dimbrock was a very, very good offensive coordinator at LSU, Okay. Um, I thought Mike in his first year at LSU was was fine. Um, but overall, throughout the course of his career, he was very good. Okay. Um, and obviously Mike was was special. You know, he could have won the Broyles last year. Uh I still think understanding the circumstances around LSU, even if Joe Sloan is not the most experienced guy out there. You've got to roll with Joe Sloan as the offensive coordinator. As the co-offensive coordinator with Cortez Sankton, excuse me. But Sloan, to me, has got to be the guy. Okay? I, I just think that that's where they're going to go. I feel pretty confident that's where they're going to go. I think that is the direction that they should go. All right? If Brian Kelly asked me directly... Hey, should I hire Tommy Reese, a guy I have a good relationship with, a guy who has more play calling experience recently, or should I go with Joe Sloan? I would tell him to go with Joe Sloan. All right. I do not know Joe Sloan. I know a lot of people that do know Joe Sloan really, really, really well. Um, one actual personal friend that was recently with Joe um, not too long ago. Um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I don't know Joe, though, all right? And ultimately, my concern is for the future of LSU football. So I don't want anyone to think that, you know, I'm just saying that just for the continuity aspect of it. I think Joe should be the guy. And I also disagree that the bowl game meant nothing last year with Garrett Nussmeyer. I think it's something. I think it is a data point that Joe Sloan and Garrett Nussmeyer had a good offensive day versus Luke Fickle, a good defensive mind in the bowl game. It might not mean anything. It might mean that our offense next year might not be that great. And it might not be. <laughs> you know, Charles Turner's gone. And 
even more importantly, Malik Neighbors and BTJ are gone and arguably the greatest statistical single season for many quarterback is gone. Let's go to Allen. First YouTube super chatter. Dave Bartu just texted me, hey, was that okay? I was like, no. It was terrible. I'm kidding. All right. All right. And I will say this before I answer Allen's super chat and the Atlanta Braves jacket. I love it. Shout out to my good buddy, Jordan. Um, uh, not Haddad. Jordan's a good friend of mine as well, but Trosclair uh, is a huge Atlanta Braves fan. Um, we've never had a bad guest on PHL. Never. There's never not been a bad guest. Uh, I'm dead serious. Allen says there was a new D coordinator for Corey Raymond's final years here, while also at Florida, a new defensive coordinator as well. Transition period there as well. This is a really good point right here by Allen. Okay. This is a really, really, really good point. Okay. Corey did have four different defensive coordinators his last four years. Okay. So that is something. All right. Austin Armstrong, who's 29 years old, was his defensive coordinator last year. Two years ago was Patrick Tony, who's now in the NFL, but he sucked at Florida. He was, he was just terrible. Three years ago, of course, it was Durante Jones. And he, of course, was like Austin Armstrong, a very young guy with not a ton of experience. And the year before that, it was Bo Pelini. So not only has Corey Raymond had different defense coordinators, he has had drastically different defensive coordinators over the past four seasons. So it is something. And as Dave Bartu pointed out, this will be by far the best defensive coordinator he had since Dave Aranda. So you go from Dave Aranda, who I agree with Dave Bartu, is arguably the best college defensive coordinator uh, before he became the Baylor head coach. He's one of the best DCs ever. And that's not only a statistical thing, it's an influencing. Um, and then these last four seasons, it's just been a hodgepodge of retreads, um, and young up-and-comers with not a lot of experience. So Corey Raymond would say, hey, Carter, you don't know what you're talking about. I, I was dealing with disasters as defensive play callers. You give me Blake Baker, we're going to cook next season. Okay? Yeah, so let's go to Cliff. Why do I want Joseph and Carter? Is it his fault or Nuss's fault they didn't attack the middle of the field? Yeah, so a good bit of the, uh, the success LSU had in the game was down the sidelines, right? And those tend to be, for many QBs, safer throws. And most of Garrett's best throws have been down the sideline as well. I will tell you two things about throwing over the middle of the field. Not many are good at it from the get-go. OK, um, and I think that will come with time. All right. We saw Jaden Daniels and his development from throwing almost never over the middle of the field in his first season at LSU. And then the next year, through over the middle a lot. Now, I don't mind keeping going. We only go for an hour. Um, but if you're like Alan and you want to keep Super Chat, we'll keep going. All right. Let's see. Um, 
William says you got to keep going there. William, one of our biggest supporters here on PHL, really appreciate you. Um, Brian makes a good point here. He says, look, maybe, maybe Corey just didn't have the talent the last four seasons, and it's not going to matter if he's good or not if we don't get better talent um, at defensive back. I will also tell you this, all right, unless one of you have seen this, once again, I've been locked in here. Um, I occasionally get updates, um, you know, on my phone, all right? It's not official yet, okay? So I I, I just want to point that out. Next thing. Um I I think Corey's going to do a better job recruiting um, than we'd like to think. But I do want to point out one thing about the recruiting aspect of it, okay? And Bartu made this point a few times. How much does recruiting actually matter in the modern age, okay? Now, I'm not talking about roster acquisition, all right? That's not my point. Of course, it still matters you go get players. But the way you recruit now is different than the way you recruited five years ago. Sometimes it just comes down to the highest bidder. Okay? So maybe it comes down to developers. All right? How good are you at the actual coaching of football? And this isn't um, you know, a statement about Corey Raymond or, or whoever, but – how many, um, you know, for the modern day coaches, I think how good you are at developing talent is very important. Okay. So if we were to run down the staff, well, Joe Sloan obviously developed Jaden Daniels. It wasn't just Joe Sloan. Jaden had private QB coaches and he had CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, who we trained with this offseason. Um, it's more than just that. But I'll tell you this, Bo Davis had the best defensive tackle duo in college football this past season. How many of you knew who Murphy and Sweat was before this season? Probably none of you. I I really didn't either, and I watch a lot of college football. That was by far the best defensive tackle duo in the country. Sweat got Heisman votes, okay? So we know Bo Davis can develop. Kevin Peoples did a really good job at Missouri with Blake Baker. We've seen Blake Baker take Damon Clark to the next level in his only season at LSU. So developing is going to be big. And when Corey was here, he developed big-time talent. And that's one thing that goes into Corey's evaluation as well. His upside is higher than any DB coach could have gotten. He's got tremendous upside. Okay? Dion, good to see you. Okay. But also part of why I want Joe Sloan is he did just land the best recruit in LSU history. Okay. There's nobody that is a higher ranked recruit in the history of LSU football than Bryce Underwood. And unless he just falls off a cliff in terms of talent, that's not going to change. Okay. So, 
that's part of it. I would be lying to you if that wasn't part of it. Okay. Colin Hurley. All right. He recruited Colin Hurley. Now, it wasn't just him. Jordan Arserman and, and many deserve a lot of credit for Colin Hurley's recruitment, Brian Kelly included. But Joe Sloan's just been on a roll. Okay, he rec- he's recruited. This is one of the best back-to-back quarterback classes we've ever gotten. 2024 with Hurley and 2025 with Bryce. Okay. He's coaching at a high level right now. Play calling's a different beast, so. All right. But I'm fine with rolling the dice and, and seeing where we can go from there. Okay. Besides you, Hemi Herc. I love it, man. Love that photo, man. You used to have like a anonymous profile, cartoon profile. I love seeing y'all's beautiful faces, man. I do. I even rocked the tiger shirt again because it was so popular last night. I, I might rock this every live stream. Okay. Let's see here. Agree with that. The How the SEC rotates the schedule might be just as important as if it's an eight or a nine-game schedule. It's a really good point. Okay. We'll take a few more here once again. Uh, I do want to point this out. Thanks to our friends again at Louisiana Controls, LouisianaControls.com. Um, once again, 225-944-4990. February 17th, y'all, we are one month away from today. Tylen Singleton, Gabriel Relaford, Ahmad Bro, Xavier Debo Atkins, they will all be at the Arklatex Memorabilia Card Show, and I will be there all day. But the earlier you get there, the better. Okay, these athletes won't be there all day. So it's very important you get there early. You get to hang out with me. I'm giving stuff to everybody that is a PHL fan that comes to the uh, get together. So I hope to see you guys there. It's free. Now the autographs cost a little bit. I think it's like 15 bucks or something like that, but it does go to a charity. Um, and that's the autographs that those four players are signing. Uh, I'll be giving away some autographs and stuff like that. It's a free event. It's family friendly. Um, every time PHL shows up there, there a lot of you come out. Uh, we we've, we've done a really good job. Our table stays busy. So Get there early and often, and it's going to be a good time. Rob G., what's good? Okay. Yeah, you know, I touched on this yesterday. I will defend Corey Raymond until – and I'll defend that entire LSU defense for 2019 until the end of time. Okay. And I know I reference this a lot, but I highly recommend you go back and listen to the interview we did with Patrick Queen. Okay. And he shares, and obviously he's going to be defensive of, of people that, that say that the defense wasn't great, but he shared some insight that was very important about the defense. And guess what? The Patrick Queen interview was done at this show. The card show that I was I was telling you, just not telling you about. So you never know who's going to show up. PQ was there. Dre Jenkins was there. And Michaela Williams was there. Okay. So a pro bowler, 
um, one of the clutchest LSU receivers of all time and a future number one overall WNBA draft pick was uh, at the last get together. So you never know. Gabriel Relford, you don't you don't know. He could be the next Warren Sapp. Get there. It's worth it. Okay. New Iberia stand up. It's a good point, Chance. Dion, thanks for all your supers and support, man, over the year. Man, we are coming together for the most part. I totally agree with that. Uh, let's see here. Now, one thing that would be nice, I know Cliff normally does this, but please tag CFB Matrix on Twitter. All right. At CFB Matrix. And on Instagram, at CFB Matrix. You can even screen record and clip it. Or you can take a screenshot of when he was on. You could just rewind and let the people know how much you enjoyed him on the channel. Now, it's easier for me to get him on the show because I've known him for so long. But if you want to get more high-profile guests, uh, that always goes a long way. It lets the guests know that they had a good time. Okay. Yeah, Delpit was hurt and Okay, Delpit was playing a new position. All right. Very important. Very 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 important. And Kelvin Joseph obviously left the team hurt our depth. So, Kerry Vincent came on towards the end. So, I normally judge coaches and units. Do you get better? And that's one thing Dave Bartu was saying. Blake Baker, since he's been a defensive coordinator, he keeps getting better. All right? One thing I always say about Edwards Ron's teams at LSU, for the most part... They got better as the season moved on. Okay, now towards the end of the in 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 years, not so much, but they did get better. Okay, I like to see if you get better as the season moves on. Blake Baker, he's gotten better not only as seasons moved on, but as his experience as a defensive coordinator, he's gotten better. Okay. See here. Anyone hearing how Greg Brooks is doing? Tremendous progress is cool stuff. All right. Really appreciate you, Samuel. Thank you so much. All right, y'all. I am about to skedaddle to support the LSU basketball team. I'm sure they've already tipped off. And uh, we will 
Talk to you soon. It is. Pow. Our LSU. Boom. Please go like, share this interview, post it in all your LSU groups. And tonight we are doing uh, some teriyaki like strip steak. Shout out to Jacoby and Giller and shout out to you. Let's go. Big thanks. Day bar two. Let's go.